Every single player who's come to Michigan State since 2007 has a ring on their finger. I'm going to be a coach here for a long time. It's not over. It's just starting. But just remember, pride comes before the fall. So you might as well just come out and say what you're, what's your feeling at some point in time, because you know I can only be diplomatic for so long. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Thursday, October 10th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. We brought the intro back. We are back. We are turning the page. It is time to start getting ready for the Wisconsin Badgers. And that is what we are doing today. No more Ohio State talk. No more disappointment. We're looking forward. We're turning the page. And we're getting ready for Michigan State's second straight top 10 opponent on the road. Just a ridiculous stretch of their schedule that they are in the middle of, and they need a bounce back in the biggest way. And so we'll start diving into the uh, the challenge that Wisconsin presents uh, on today's show. To start, though, I want to talk about uh, Brian Lewerke because Pro Football Focus came out with their midseason quarterback rankings. Um, Lewerke moved up quite a bit from the, the preseason, and so I just want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, second segment. I will give some thoughts on Wisconsin, do a little bit of a, a primer, if you will. Just some things to know, some observations after watching some of their, um, I mean, I've seen some of their games, uh, certainly this season, but after sort of rewatching with a closer eye on just trying to see what they're up to. And so I'll share some of those here and we'll get into some more tomorrow. Um, I'll be watching more of their, their stuff later today. Um, and so we'll get into some more stuff, more in depth tomorrow, but we'll give you sort of the, the primer today. And then segment three, Matt Hapner is going to join us and we'll talk about, oh, I lied to you. I said we weren't going to do any Ohio State stuff, but we did. We did some Ohio State stuff. Crap. A little bit of Ohio State stuff with Matt Hapner, but we'll talk about, it's more of like a mid-season where are we at type thing with this team. And then we do look forward towards Wisconsin uh, a little bit at the end of that segment. So that's the plan for today's show. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these shows on your phone every single day. Five o'clock in the morning is when they go up. Usually you can find it on your little podcast service. Wherever you get podcasts, you can find Locked on Spartan. So we'll uh, get into today's show then. Okay, so Brian Lewerke this preseason. Um, Stock was pretty low, and we talked about it, I talked about it, everyone was talking about it. Uh, After the very injury-plagued and disappointing 2018 season for him, uh, stock was low, confidence was low in him, there was suggestion that perhaps his own confidence in himself was low, and we weren't really sure what we were going to get. And, you know, with that, as an example of that, uh, Pro Football Focus ranked Lowerke as the 76th best quarterback in college football going into the season. 
that is out of 130 starting quarterbacks in college football. You don't have to be a, a math expert to know that is bottom half. Um, that is not great. If you're a team with uh, double-digit win aspirations, with conference uh, championship aspirations, with Mich- which Michigan State had coming into the season, having a quarterback uh, that is that lowly regarded, not ideal. Um, when those were published, I thought it was crap. Just because uh, for all the good things that Pro Football Focus does, and there are many, one thing they are not very great at is context. Um, they try to incorporate it in some ways, uh, and I just flatly don't think they do a great job at it based on the results they produce. And it's not just with like Brian Lewerke and this rating. Uh, it's with some of their other stuff. And when you don't know the formula, you don't know how the rankings work, you don't know exactly how they define things. And when it's subjective, which these are, um, you get just sort of things that aren't as solid, right? I guess is the, the way to put it. And so for obvious reasons, Brian Lewerke, I thought was underrated coming into the season. And I think the first half of the season has kind of bore that out, right? He's been kind of uh, the 2017 version of himself. I think a little bit better, a little bit more accurate, um, It's still something that he has not been great with being pinpoint uh, in terms of ball placement. It's something that he'll put a, uh, he'll put a throw 15 yards downfield perfectly on someone over a defender. And then he'll throw a five yard slant on someone's back hip. And it's just sort of that inconsistency there. But um, for the most part, you know, he's been uh, the best version of himself that we've seen. And, you know, you can look at the stats and the stats, I'm not going to go through them, but they're all up for him. He's all he's on pace for career bests in everything. Uh, he's on, except for maybe rushing, but he's on pace to end up as the third or fourth best, most prolific passer in school history uh, for whatever that's worth. And he's just, he's having a good statistical season. He's got his highest passer rating. His completion percentage is now just a touch under 2017. Um, but I would imagine it'll maybe hop back up a little bit based on the fact that, uh, he's got the, the least reliable receiving core in the nation based on drops, which I'll get to. Um, but yeah, he's been playing really well and, uh, pro football focus did their re-rankings halfway through the season here, six weeks in and Lewerke moved from 76 to 44th. And that's a pretty sizable jump in just six weeks. Uh, I think it speaks to the fact that he was pretty underrated coming into the season. Uh, judging, If you were judging Brian Lewerke off of 2018, he was going to exceed those expectations. And I actually tweeted something out like, oh, Lewerke's not in the top. You know, it was like they tweeted out or they posted 130, quarterbacks 130 through 51. And I sent a tweet and said, oh, Lewerke was 76 in the preseason. He's not in the bottom 80, bottom 79 guys. Um, so it looks like he's moving up and someone with pro football focus responded to me and said, yeah, he's exceeding expectations. And I guess if your expectations were based on what happened last season and you didn't have any of the proper information about what happened last season. And so I just responded, yeah, and he's also not playing with a hurt throwing shoulder. Um, 
So I, I didn't want to get too snarky with that, but that's sort of what I mean with uh, the missing context. And they wrote that he's, you know, numbers are looking good or whatever. His A dot's a little bit lower, so his depth adjusted completion percentage is a little higher, and that's good. You always want that number to be higher. Um, said he's got a number of big time throws, and this was perhaps the only real part worth like taking out of that because again it's a subjective rating it's nice to see him get a bump whatever we can squabble over rankings any day of the week the the thing that we should all take (laughs) from this little blurb they wrote up is that Michigan State receivers or pass catchers lead the nation in drops they lead the nation in dropped passes with 23 through six games that is just under for a game and uh, just going through the Ohio State game charting it uh, I don't always mark everything down I try to Um, I've got at least four dropped passes in that game that were for first downs at minimum there's one where Daryl Stewart was running pretty uh, free and could have gotten a huge gain Um, but yeah at least just in this last game at least four bad bad drops uh, three from Daryl Stewart, where they were getting first downs at worst. And so that is something that has had just been crushing Michigan State this year. And I think it's something we're not talking about enough. And I'm going to start talking about it more because it's something that, you know, you can excuse it or look past it or there's other things to complain about with the offense through one, two, three games. But Six weeks, 23 drop passes, leading the nation in that category. That's something that is absolutely worth monitoring going forward, and it's something that obviously needs to get much better. And some of it, I I talked about this on Monday, some of it is coaching. I I wrote up in the film room, some of it is is coaching stuff, and there's this old Nick Saban quote that says, uh, if you're... What is it? If you're not coaching it, you're letting it happen. Or if you're letting, you're either letting it happen or you're coaching it. That's you're you're either coaching it or letting it happen. That's how it is. You're either coaching it or letting it happen. And so if drop passes are an issue and you can go and very easily look through the thing and see why players are dropping passes um, and how technique might play into that, uh, taking the, your eyes off the ball, trying to get upfield before you secure the catch. That is coaching. And I've talked about it before. Daryl Stewart has great hands. Daryl Stewart shouldn't be dropping slants. Daryl Stewart shouldn't be dropping wide open, easy passes, but something's happening there. And that's got to get corrected. And it's a group wide thing. It's not just Stewart. It's not something that's only happened this season. There have been other seasons. 2012 certainly sticks out, but there have been other times where drops have been an issue here and there with Michigan State. Uh, and I know they just sort of switched things up there at the the position coach, but that's something that absolutely has to get better. And so, yeah, that's the main takeaway from Brian Lewerke being ranked 44th by Pro Football Focus is that the receivers need to uh, to catch more passes that hit their hands. And also, he's still underrated, and that 44th is ridiculous when Jaden Daniels, Arizona State's quarterback, is 33rd. We all watched Arizona State. If you've seen any Arizona State football this year, you know that 90% of the time, they're trying to hide him from the offense. Um, and Wisconsin does the exact same thing with their quarterback, Jack Cohn. Um, and so it's just tough for me to believe that those guys are sort of ranked 10 spots 
uh, ahead of Brian Lewerke in these rankings. So, yeah, not a not a great look there, at least from my perspective. But hey, I'm probably a, a little biased. Speaking of Jack Cohn, we are going to talk about the Badgers here uh, in just a minute. Things they do, what they try to accomplish, why they're good, why they may be susceptible to Michigan State. So we'll do that here in just a minute. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime. Let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF100 at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. All right, let's talk about Wisconsin. So they are um, <laughs> they're a Wisconsin football team. Got a bunch of big dudes up front. Got a good running back. Got a quarterback that they hide. And they line up and they run at you with... 17,000 pounds of meat in terms of an offensive line and they just they're, they're gonna push and they're gonna push and they're gonna push and hopefully they'll move down the field that way uh, and that's what they're gonna do and when Wisconsin's really good they're sort of clicking on all cylinders in that department and on defense they are uh, an aggressive unit they like to get after the quarterback they are fundamentally sound they like to gang tackle uh i was just watching them play northwestern and every time someone from northwestern was getting tackled there were 19 other wisconsin players you know including guys off the sideline fans were getting on the field somehow tackling people like it's just a gang tackling event when wisconsin's playing defense and so they're just sound they're really good they've got good smart players uh some talented guys in the back end for sure the front uh, looks to be pretty good. Um, linebackers are like they're just solid, and, and they're not. They're they're so much better than they were last year. Um, and I was reading a little bit, like in the off season, they sort of scaled things back, simplified the defense, didn't try to fix what wasn't broken. They had a great defense in seventeen, eighteen. They tinkered, took a step back, and now they're kind of going back to seventeen, where it's just plays solid defense provide some different looks. They play man, they play zone, and they'll throw some blitzes at you. Uh, and that's what they do. And they're just, they're good tacklers and they play good football, good team defense, really. And that's when Wisconsin's at their best, when they're sort of uh, the, the, the what is it? The sum of the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. There you go. I am having a tough time with uh, old cliches. The this the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And that is that is what you got here with the Wisconsin team. And they're good. They're six and SP plus they are number four in defense, number 16 in offense, and I think 123rd in special teams, which is uh, pretty bad. Um, so that's something that is certainly interesting. First thing that caught my eye when, when looking at them is that uh, Michigan State might have a path to victory here by turning this into a field position rock fight uh, where they seem to have an advantage there in the return games uh, and the kicking games. Maybe not field goals, but certainly punting. Um, so that that stuck out. But what Wisconsin tries to do, we, we know Jonathan Taylor, right? That's the first name. That's the big name. That's what Wisconsin football is sort of built around right now. Um, he's a Heisman candidate for a reason. He won the Doak Walker Award last year. Uh, he's got, let's see, 745 Yards this year on 103 carries. That's good for 7.2 yards per carry. Um, you know, aside from him, Nakia Watson gets a little bit of run, um, and that's that's about it. It uh, it's the it's the Jonathan Taylor show uh, for sure. And you know, like like I said, he's got 700 
uh, and 45 rushing yards. Their leading receiver, Cephas, who's a, a good player, Quentin Tez Cephas, has 263 receiving yards. That is their leading pass catcher. Um, they're just not a, a, a throw-it team. They're going to run it. They're going to be really efficient on the ground, and they're going to get some explosive plays. That's what they're going to try to do. Um, yeah, God, I'm just going through. Like Cephas has 17 catches. A.J. Taylor has 14. Jonathan Taylor has 12. Like He's their third-leaving receiver. <laughs> uh, they don't use the tight end much. Jake Ferguson's their tight end, 11 catches, 103 yards, a touchdown. Um, so they're going to they're gonna try to come out and establish the run. And it's it's literally, it's run, run, pass, 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 run, run, pass. That's, they, they don't do a ton uh, outside of that. Jack Cohn threw like 30 times against Central Michigan. And other than that, he's thrown 15 times in a game, 16, 20. Uh, he's not dropping back at all yes he's completing 75 percent of his passes his average depth of target when you're watching their game it feels it honestly feels like it's three yards he threw 15 times against Kent State 24 against Northwestern 16 against Michigan those are his last three games um yeah it's a super low volume passing offense it's efficient still they they get he's got 8.2 yards per attempt which considering how um, far they don't throw the ball downfield gives you an idea of kind of how it works with them. They complete short passes at a really high rate and, you know, they they get 10 yards on a pass. That's it. That's the goal. If you need seven, get eight. If you need nine, get 10. That's the, the passing game. That's not a downfield threat. Um it's really it's gonna be a it's gonna be a big heavy box play game played uh, by Wisconsin. They've got the hippo package where they bring in two offensive linemen uh, as fullback. It's it's really something to see, but it's it's typical Wisconsin, and we know that Michigan State knows that they do some misdirection stuff. D'Antonio talked about it earlier in the week where uh, they'll give you sort of different looks. They like to motion a lot pre snap. Uh, I definitely noticed that they'll do entire shifts. They'll uh, shifts two guys, three guys, four guys. They'll do big shifts uh, just to try to get you lined up in the wrong spot, try to find a little bit of an edge, try to get the numbers in their advantage where they've got five guys blocking five defenders in a spot. And it doesn't take much. Um, they replaced four of their five linemen. Three went to the NFL. It's a good line, certainly. You can't look at their results and be like, uh, I don't know about that line um, when you got a guy averaging seven yards to carry over 100 attempts, but more so than probably any back in the country. You know, there's a couple other guys that you could maybe make a case for. I think Taylor uh, does more for the offensive line uh, than anyone else. He um, can get hit three yards in the backfield. I posted a screenshot of him getting hit three yards in the backfield by Joe Gaziano um, from Northwestern, who's a really good all-conference type player, and he turned it into a four-yard gain, like gained seven yards after contact after getting hit literally while the ball was being handed off to him. Uh, he just has that ability, that suddenness. He's quick and fast and powerful, low center of gravity. Like He's just a really good back. Um, maybe could get better with vision 
Um, but when you can break tackles like him and when you can sort of maneuver through the traffic like him, you don't always have to get it right on the first stab. You can sort of work your way forward um, and maybe you miss a hole, maybe you miss a lane, but you end up making it work out either way. And he's catching the ball out of the backfield now. They like to use the, that Texas sort of route where you line up in the backfield, you sort of run an arrow towards the flat. And then when you have man, you kick it back inside on a slant. It's like an arrow slant kind of back over the middle, and it's always wide open. Um, so you got to be able to cover him with a linebacker. That's going to be uh, a challenge for Antoine Simmons and for Tyreek Thompson to stop him out of the backfield. But it's a really good run te- uh, team, really good running offense, and it's going to be a box fight. And Michigan State's going to have to bring guys into the box. Uh, Wisconsin does use three wide receivers more than you would think. Uh, do spread it out a little bit to try to lighten the load in that box. Um, so the front's going to have to be really good. They're going to have to bounce back after Ohio State. And it's just a different challenge, right? I've seen a lot of things like it's not going to get any easier. I think it'll be a little bit easier because the threat of the pass is non-existent. The threat of the quarterback run really isn't there. Jack Cohn has, let me see how many rushing yards he has here. There he is. Okay. He's got 20 rushes, seven yards. So he's been sacked a few times. Does have a 25 yard touchdown run that he had against Michigan. Uh, We'll keep it on one zone read every game. You just hope that he gets three yards instead of 25 like he did against Michigan. Um, So it's just, it's a different running scheme. It's, it's something that literally Mark D'Antonio's defense was designed to stop an offense like Wisconsin's. And that should give you a little bit of hope coming into this game, but it's still going to be a, a tough task because they're just damn good at what they do. They got one of the best backs in the country. They got a solid line, and they're just going to keep getting after it. And if the offense can't sustain things against that defense and the Michigan State defense is out there for a long time, which Wisconsin loves to do. They love time of possession. They love to run plays really slowly and just keep running at you and at you and at you. It's like a boa constrictor. Eventually, you just get worn out, and then they bust one. And they got a guy who, when that happens, he can bust one uh, with the best of them. So that's sort of the uh, the primer there. We'll get more into specifics tomorrow talk more about the defense for sure and what Michigan State's offense can potentially do to uh, be able to move the ball find some room and get some points on the board Uh, Matt Hapner is coming up here in just a minute he will join us Uh, we talk sort of mid-season progress report uh, a little bit about Ohio State and then get into what he thinks of Wisconsin all right, welcome back to Locked on Spartans. Joined now by Matt Hepner of The Only Colors. Matt joins us every week here on Locked on Spartans. Matt, how you doing? Thanks for making some time for us, as always. No problem. Thanks for having me. For sure. So um, we are at the halfway point of the season. It's crazy. Like It feels like we were just starting the season, but we're halfway through the regular season. Michigan State sits at 4-2, and two, uh, definitely been... Uh, up and down is probably the pretty easy way to describe it. To describe it. Where are you at right now with this team kind of broadly uh, through six games, kind of what you thought they would be or just what have, you know, what have they done relative to your expectations? Yeah, I think they're kind of, you know, they're certainly in the ballpark of the expectations. I don't know if they're necessarily heavily on one side or the other, but 
You know, I, I, I think I kind of expected them to kind of pretty much be around here. I, I thought that they would beat Arizona State. Yeah. I think a lot of us did. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess I probably optimistically would have had them at 5-1 and one at this point. So they're a game behind that. The offense, you know, really is the up and down thing. It's it's been, it's looked good at times. It's looked the same at other times. The biggest issue is the results. And as as much better as the overall numbers are, you still have three games this year where you've only scored one offensive touchdown, and mm-hmm. you know that's not going to get it done. That's why you're one and two in those games. Yeah, it's kind of. When you when you look at it that way, they've had three really productive. I mean, they've been mostly productive moving the ball for in terms of yards per play and everything. You know, they're fifty sixth in SP plus. They're like sixty fourth or sixty second in yards per play because they just had that rough game against Ohio State where they're only at four point two. But before that, they were in the fifties, kind of you know trending towards being a top fifty offense. But yeah, like you said, there are three games where they scored one offensive touchdown, and I think the biggest thing is like just the self-inflicted stuff. I mean, there've been times where they've been stopped, but it seems like more often than not, when they're not finishing drives, when the, when they're getting stopped, forced to punt, turn the ball over, it's more so off their own doing, isn't it? As opposed to just like getting shut down by a superior opponent. Yeah. And you know, that was what doomed them last week, especially early. I mean, you, you turn, you, you turn the ball over twice and they hadn't turned the ball over very much at all. Coming into that game, I think they only had four turnovers on the season. But then you you give it away on fumbles twice in the first four plays at Ohio State. You're 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 asking for it to go bad. Yeah. And the the drops were the other thing too. There was a tweet today somebody had out that I think it was uh, PFF had uh, some numbers yeah. about the drops that has them at the most in the country. Something yeah. like that. Twenty twenty three drops right now. That's that's absurd. Yeah, I, I before you came on, I talked about Lewerke's pro football focus ranking a little bit. Um, and yeah, 23 drops by Michigan State receivers through six games uh, leads the country. That's just under four drops per game. Right. I mean, you're, you're dropping four passes a game. And, and think about when you're dropping these passes, because I'm sure if you're watching these games, you know exactly when they're dropping the passes and they're, they're, they're drops that would be first down. Like yep. you said, self-inflicted wounds. So, I mean, you just and, – and, and one of those the, – the first fumble was on a pe- play that w- was a first down. It was caught. He had a first down, and he coughed it up. So, uh, the, the, the self-inflicted wounds, the, the penalties, I mean, that's been a thing that was killing them early on was, you know, you get behind the sticks with a holding penalty or something, or, you know, it goes from – second and manageable, second and short to you false start it to, you know, second and long. That stuff is just, that's just sloppy. That's got to get cleaned up because they don't have the margin for error to overcome that kind of stuff. No, they've been more efficient this year and they're, they're way better at getting the intermediate stuff. Like they can get you 10 yards, they can get you 15 yards pretty well, um, but they're not getting anything beyond that. They're not a, a quick hitting offense by any means. And yeah, just, I've got the first half charted up here from the Ohio state game. I haven't actually finished charting it, but I've got three drops here in the first half and all three of them would have gone for first downs and Daryl Stewart's drop towards the end of the game. I think it actually might've been in the third quarter. 
uh, was another first down. So at least four that I can think of off the top of my head just this last week that were all first downs. And then you throw in Cody White as well. So yeah, that receiving group came into the season expected to carry a lot of uh, production, carry some burden for this offense. And, you know, Speedy Naylor gets hurt. And I think Daryl Stewart's had some really great moments, but he's had some tough drops too. And Cody White just isn't having, it didn't have a great first half. And that's a little bit surprising. Yeah, I'm surprised by that, too, because I thought he was ready to, like, you know, step in and, and be the Felton Davis of this yeah. offense, and it just hasn't been there. He's had some individual plays, and, and he had a nice game, you know, against Indiana, but on the whole, he just he hasn't been the go-to guy. They haven't, you know, treated him as kind of the, the go-to guy in key spots. He, you know, he's, he's been there on a few, gone up and gotten the ball but you know the the fumbles because he's he's had some on the punt too and and that's why they took him off the punt so he's got to hold on to the ball he's got to be stronger on the ball than that and not and that 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 goes for hauling down catches too because there's been ones where he's gone up for you know 50 50 type balls they threw a couple fades at the beginning of the year and he just didn't come down with them and it was you know you you just he's bigger than the the guys who are defending him he's got to be able to (laughs) to be stronger on the ball, hang on and not, you know, drop it or cough it up like he has. Yeah. And you know, that's his game. He's not a speed guy. He's got to run good routes, have great hands and make plays uh, with the ball in the air. And I I think uh, I would not be shocked at all if he had a big second half, if he caught, you know, the last six games, four or five touchdowns had 400 receiving yards and, uh, you know, five, six catches a game. Like, he he's a really good player. I think he's just kind of having a rough go of it right now. And if he breaks out of that funk at any time, that's great for the offense. And it wouldn't surprise me a bit because he's still a good football player. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit, sticking with the passing game, but the guy throwing the ball, I already gave my thoughts uh, earlier before you came on talking about Brian Lewerke being ranked 44th by pro football focus and their re-rankings. He was 76th coming into the season. Uh, and I thought he got shortchanged a little bit on that. But what are your thoughts on Lewerke's play so far through six games? I mean, I, I think he's been he, – I think he's been Brian Lewerke. I mean, yeah. and I think he's been two seasons ago Brian Lewerke. And I think he's been the guy who – he's played certainly well enough where, you know, he's not – he certainly isn't the problem. Certainly isn't the problem in my opinion. Yeah. I think he has played well. Look, he's missed some throws. That's we talked about last week. That's that's what that's going to happen. He's not, you know, a seventy percent completion percentage guy, and some of the throws that he misses are you know, weirdly wide open throws. But he he makes some throws. He stays in there. He makes plays with his legs. He's gotten the job done. And you know, the numbers weren't great on Saturday against Ohio State. But he hung in there and took a bunch of shots and kept making throws, even when they're down and really, you know, don't have a chance of coming back. He's standing in there and he's trying to make plays. So, you know, I I think that he has been more than good enough for this Michigan State team so far. Uh, You know, the, the... the, the Arizona State game is kind of the one that, had, like, I we, I think we said this at the time, that, like, you're going to look back at that game and be like, losing that game really hurt where you ended up at the end of the season because you shouldn't have lost it. And the play by everyone was kind of baffling in that game. 
But yeah. remember, at the end of that game, he put him in position out of nowhere with no timeouts to send the game to overtime. So he, he's made the plays when he's needed to, and I, I think he's been more than fine. And anybody who thinks he's the problem is not paying attention. No, and Saturday is kind of a perfect game to look at in terms of why sometimes you need to look beyond stats to evaluate. Well, not sometimes. Most of the time you need to look beyond just Ross counting stats to evaluate quarterback play because there's so many things that go into it. Like if everyone makes all their catches, like Brian Lewerke has 250 yards and a couple touchdowns probably. Um, and who knows how that game plays out if they started moving the ball early, which they were, and, you know, drops killed drives. So that's what you always got to be able to look at the context. And I thought he played not, maybe not as like a, a top game, but he played really well and he made some huge throws. Um, last thing here, as we sort of turn the page into the second half, Wisconsin's coming up. Uh, I know you've done some work uh, at looking at the Badgers. Uh, we know the run game is great. Uh, the quarterback is kind of, that prototypical game manager that outside of Russell Wilson, you kind of get at Wisconsin. What do you see from this team? What do you see from this matchup? And what do you think is the big thing Michigan state's going to have to do to compete with Wisconsin? Because they're good, but there's not that talent discrepancy that you see with a team like Ohio state, like Michigan state can match up with Wisconsin. Wisconsin's just playing much cleaner, much better football at this point. Yeah, I, I think that you're going to have to kind of take a page out of what Northwestern did against Wisconsin when they played mm-hmm. them a couple weeks ago, which is, you know, you've got you to gotta stop the run. You stop the run, you put them in, you know, long down a distance, second and third and long, then you force the game manager to make throws. Now, he's made some good throws this year. I mean, statistically, he's at 75% completion, so that's going to happen when your running back's running for 200 yards a game. <laughs> but uh, so, I mean, that's defensively, you know, Michigan State, you know, keeps it solid, doesn't let him break any big ones and stops the run. You're going to put yourself in a good position to keep this game close, which is where you need it to be. Now, offensively, that's another story. I think that you're probably going to have to put this on the arm of Brian Lewerke or the arm and legs of Brian Lewerke, and he's going to have to make plays. You're going to have to find some holes against the defense that also surprisingly is number one against the pass. Mm-hmm. So they've done really well in that area. Now, late in the game, you know, Michigan finally cracked through after they were down big and had to start winging the ball around and made some plays on them. But for the most part, they haven't given up much through the air they haven't faced much through the air though. So I, I think you're going to have to find some holes in the, in the secondary, your receivers are going to have to make some plays and you're going to have to, you're going to have to play a clean game. You can't be giving the ball away. You can't blow scoring opportunities. Sounds like it's going to be kind of cold and windy. So that doesn't necessarily help Matt Coglin's situation either. So no. it, it's got to be a lot cleaner than it has been because Wisconsin just doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, they don't. And really, like Cone, the quarterback, if he throws for 150 yards on 15 to you know 18 attempts, that is Wisconsin's preferred method. Um, if Michigan State can get it to a point where he's got to throw the ball 28 times, uh, that could be something that plays into the Spartans' favor. All right, Matt, thanks so much. He's Matt Hepner from The Only Colors. Uh, we've got his film room up.
Uh, what else? You know the opponent, and then did you do special teams breakdown yet? Because Wisconsin is bad. Yeah, special teams is coming tomorrow. They are bad, apparently. I looked a little <laughs> bit at it today. They don't look great. They're, they're, I just did one of their podcasts. They said we're bad at special teams. So. Yeah, they're, they're uh, special teams S&P Plus uh, or SP Plus is, I think, 125th out of 130. Um, so it's not it's not just bad. It, it is um, significantly terrible. So could be a spot where Michigan State could get an advantage. So look for Matt's work at The Only Colors. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Hapner. Matt, thanks so much for the time, as always, and we will catch up with you next week. Okay, thanks again to Matt, as always, for joining the show. Good insight from him, per usual. He might actually not be on the show next week after we recorded. He, uh, he told me he might not be available next week. So we'll see. Uh, about that. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks so much for joining me for today's Locked on Spartans. We'll be back tomorrow. Full Wisconsin preview. Hopefully I'll have a guest to talk a little bit about the Badgers. Not sure yet. Haven't really gotten around to uh, getting that guest yet, but usually I'm able to pull through and get somebody to come on. So that's the plan for tomorrow. Have a uh, Wisconsin guest on to tell us more about the Badgers and then Like I said, full preview, Michigan State versus Wisconsin. Big one coming up this weekend at Camp Randall. So looking forward to that tomorrow. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day. All right, back tomorrow. We will see you then.